listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you Caramelite Spirituality Conversations with Mark Danis and Francis Harry. Well, welcome back to Carmelite Spirituality Conversations on Radio Maria, Christian Voice in Your Home. So good to be with you again today. We are actually going to continue a theme that Francis and I began last week, having to do with the arrival of the Holy Spirit, which we'll celebrate next Sunday, Pentecost Sunday. Um, and we provided a little context for that last week, uh, but this week we want to pick up more on both um, the meaning of that for us today, not just the historical context, but also um, continue on the discussion of preparation for the arrival of Pentecost. And uh, in order to do that, I'm going to uh, um, say hello today to uh, my co-host in studio, Francis Harry. Francis, how are you? I'm great. I'm so overjoyed to be here to talking about the Holy Spirit because, you know, he's alive and well. He's moving all over the earth and he's in us. And we can participate more fully in the divine life by making ourselves more docile to the Holy Spirit. And that is the theme of our conversation for today, docility to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you say um, rightly so. He's moving throughout the world. He's, of course, the Holy Spirit is moving within us individually uh, and wants to do a great work in us, wants to heal us, wants to bring us to the Father, um, wants us to be... um, Uh, in continual conversation with um, the Father, with our Lord, and the Holy Spirit, as we know from Scripture. um, When we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us. We're going to talk about that. It's a very powerful image for us to reflect on. But um, in order to begin our conversation, we will, as we do each week, uh, begin with prayer. And I picked this prayer from St. Mary Magdalene de Pazzi, who is a Carmelite from the ancient observance. So let us get recollected and let's look within and let's speak to the Lord in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Holy Spirit, you are the dispenser of the treasures contained in the Father's bosom. You are the treasurer of the counsels of the Father in the Word. You show us what we should do in order to please the Trinity. You teach us in the intimacy of our hearts by your inspirations and exteriorly in our lives by the preaching and advice of your ministers. The gates of heaven are always open so that grace may come down to us, but we do not open our hearts to receive it. O send down this grace, O eternal Father, send it down, O most pure word, since you deign to send your loving spirit, the spirit of goodness. O Holy Spirit, how generous you are to us, and how blessed are they who welcome you. You bring us the Father's power, the ardent love of the word. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Francis. I know you had a story uh, that you wanted to use to sort of set the context for our conversation today. And I'm going to invite you without a lot of foreknowledge as to what the story and the details might be, uh, just to share that with us. Is this the Mother's Day story? Is that the one you're yeah. going to share? Great. Well, it's because on Mother's Day, I was thinking of mothers and I was thinking about mothers and children. And I was remembering um, this episode in my life, which uh, as I reflect back on it, really does teach me a lot about the Holy Spirit. Uh, my family, we were in Disney World and we had just watched this parade and we lost our son 
Dominic in a crowd. And I thought he had my husband's hand, but somehow that let go. And I'm looking, and he's not there anymore, and I can't see him. And, of course, panic strikes, you know. And I'm crying out, Dominic, Dominic, you know. And there's, you know, all kinds of noise going on here, right? This is a huge crowd. (laughs) And yet I could hear his unintelligible cry in this vast, loud crowd. And I knew that it was my son, without a doubt. And I could tell um, he heard me, and it, and it gave me hope. And so, I, you know, I'm discerning the meaning of the cry. And, and you know, he, he's saying, Mom, Mom, here I am. <laughs> and I'm thinking, here I am. I'm thinking Samuel, you know, the story of Samuel. Here I am, Lord. What do you want of me? Um, but um, then by that cry, um, I could find him, you know. And he jumped up on a big fence um, a big brick fence, so it had a big ledge that you could walk on, but it was high up. But he, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, got up there, and and he says, "Look up, look up," and I'm like, "Look up, yeah, the Lord," you know. And there he was, and and I was so thankful to God because you know, uh, he was so tiny; he was only like, oh, about five years old, and and in a crowd, you can get you know trampled on, and so. Uh, this somewhat parallels how a soul must listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a lot of boisterous voices in the world, and it's important for us to hear the cry of the Lord, to recognize the cry of the Lord, to recognize the Holy Spirit, and then to discern what he wants, and then to take action. Well, you know, the fathers of the church um, referred to the Holy Spirit as, in part, the kiss of the Father. And the Son, also the Spirit of love in God, the breath of love of the Father and the Son, the bond of love, the Creator Spirit. Also in Scripture, Holy Spirit is referred to as the Advocate, the Teacher, the Spirit of Truth, the one who will guide you into all truth. And of course, the famous uh, uh, characterization as the Paraclete. So we have these different names for the Spirit, but the one I think I'd like to focus on for our conversation today is this idea of sanctifier. He is the sanctifier, the one who diffuses grace into our souls. Now we know grace makes the soul holy and pleasing to God. Grace is always and also at the same time God's life living within the soul. Grace can come through many ways, but most important Um, It comes to us through the sacraments of the church. This is the church actively imparting grace to individual souls. The church, in fact, teaches us there are two different kinds of uh, grace given to Christians. Um, They are sanctifying grace and actual grace. And I think, uh, Francis, I know this comes uh, uh, to a bit of a theological point, but probably warrants a little bit of an explanation for us. You want to... Right. Give the detail. This took me back to the Baltimore Catechism, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we know sanctifying grace is a spiritual gift of God, and it's different from his love. But it makes the Christians worthy of eternal life in heaven. It purifies and sanctifies the Christian. Sanctifying grace is not God himself, however. Christian souls in a state of sanctifying grace draw the favor of God so that he may dwell in them. So this indwelling is so important. The sanctifying grace is a blessing. It is a favor from God. It is free. It is undeserved help that God provides to the Christian. It helps him to answer his call of 
four different things. How to become a child of God, becoming his adopted heir, becoming our participant in his divine nature, and obtaining salvation, going to heaven. So sanctifying grace um, is intrinsic to the soul, meaning that it takes up residence within the soul, and it stays in the soul. It's, it's long-lasting. It's what makes the soul holy, and it gives the soul um, holy supernatural life. More properly, it is <laughs> supernatural life. It's the life of God in the soul. Now, actual grace, on the other hand, is extrinsic to the soul. It's out. Um, it is a supernatural push or an encouragement. <laughs> uh, might be a holy uh, kick in the pants, <laughs> so to speak. It's a more active form of grace. Right. It, <laughs> and it's transient. It can come and go. Right. It doesn't remain in the soul, but it acts on the soul from outside, so to speak. And it is an impulse to do good or, or avoid evil that is sent by God and acts upon the soul, giving it direction. So then that leads us to this question, which I'm going to let Mark answer. <laughs> Why do we need sanctifying grace? Well, we need the gift of sanctifying grace, of course, because of our fallen condition uh, that entered the world through Adam. Sin came into the world, bringing along with it death to the human race. Also, a darkened state for our minds and our souls that we have to wrestle with as part of our sanctification. Christ then came into the world to free the human race from its sin by paying that price. Now, while all were enemies of God, they were then reconciled to God through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. This is Romans 5.10. Christ gave us back, gave back to us rather, uh, the grace of God that had originally been blessed upon Adam. Through Christ, all of us then are raised to the potential of living a perfect and holy spiritual life. And as Francis said, this is somewhat inherent. It's a gift uh, that makes us acceptable to God. He imparts it, but at the same time, it makes us his adopted children. We need this sanctifying grace in our souls uh, if we're going to be equipped for heaven. Another way, perhaps, of saying this is that we need to be purified. We need to be justified. We need God's help in this area of our life and in our spiritual journey. 1 Corinthians 6.11 tells us, But now you have had yourselves washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Now, Mark, I, I turned to the book Divine Intimacy by Father Gabriel St. Mary Magdalene because he wrote a, a great deal on the Holy Spirit. And he says... The higher the degree of graces that God finds in a soul, the greater is his delight. For wherever grace is more abundant, there is a more intense and luminous reflection of God's, God's nature and goodness. So we want more grace to come to us, and we need to make ourselves open to the graces, and especially to the sacraments that the church gives us. Grace, however is not very fruitful if the sacraments are received unworthily. I mean, we can right. block grace. Sin scars, weakens, or even in mortal sin blocks grace. And then, of course, that means mortal sin blocks God. We can stop God. Mortal sin destroys the life of sanctifying grace in us. And as soon as the sin is forgiven, however, the grace of these sacraments becomes effective. So sin 
results in the loss of charity and the privation of sanctifying grace, that is, of the state of grace. And we can find that in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Um, That's um, number 1861, if you want to check that out. Yeah, just to reiterate your point about the need and the desire for additional grace, the uh, reception of the sacraments, of course, prayer, we would advocate very heavily uh, as a means of acquiring grace. But you, you make the point very well. We want to be in a continuous state of acquiring grace, right? These are not material riches. They're not worldly riches. These are the eternal riches. And it is our responsibility, is our call as Christians to be continually about this work of sanctification, not only for others, but but. Uh, for ourselves. And this requires that we engage in those activities that allow us to acquire more grace and help conform us, as we said earlier, to the Father's will uh, on a continual basis. And then we become more effective um, administers of that grace throughout the kingdom. Now, we know that the Holy Trinity dwells Mm -hmm. in every soul that is in the state of grace. And the Holy Trinity delights to abide there. And this is what we refer to as the divine indwelling. And your favorite saint, Blessed Mary, uh, Elizabeth of the Trinity. Soon um, to be a saint. <laughs> soon to be a saint <laughs> this fall. Yahoo! Yes. Thank you, God. Um, you know, uh, she exemplified, wrote uh, a great deal and helped um, us to understand even more uh Uh, candidly, what is this divine indwelling? But we can find this in scripture, in oral traditions. Theologians have written on this. Of course, many saints and mystics have supported this. So what we know is that the Trinity dwells in the human soul. uh, And and I'm just generalizing here. I'm not the theologian here. Mark's got that degree, not me. (laughs) But the Trinity dwells in in the soul by essence. That means that God created the humans and then also sustains us and supports us. And then um, the Trinity dwells in the soul by grace, which we just said, um, the actual and sanctifying, sanctifying grace. And then, you know, our response, it's by our friendship and love. So that's how do we respond to God's invitation? How do we respond to his call? And again, here, the docility to the Holy Spirit would be of greatest importance. Yeah, and the most uh, appropriate uh, scripture verse, I think, that explains what Francis just took us through is Acts 17.28, which says, In him we live and move and have our being. And the saints would tell us that the degree to which we distance ourselves from that simple phrase, we live and move and have our being, is the degree to which we will experience uh, the reality of our fallen nature, i.e. confusion, uh, despair, um, despondency on occasion. Now, not to say we don't have trials and struggles in this life. We always will. But through grace, through essence of grace, through the uh, actual and sanctifying grace, and through this continuous friendship of response to God's call, we can increase grace within ourselves and dwell in this living, moving, and having our being within God. Uh, Of course, one of our great Carmelite saints, St. John of the Cross, says that the Holy Trinity is present in, dwells in, inhabits the souls of the just, and that there is an experiential dimension to the reality of the divine indwelling in the souls of the just, not simply present, but hidden in the innermost being of the soul. Now, what John means by experiential is that we can experience it. We can 
encounter this reality of the Holy Trinity dwelling within us. It is not something that is just sort of, um, you know, mythical or a nice way of explaining something that we'll never encounter. It is the reality that the Holy Spirit dwells in each and every one of us, that it shall remain in us. And Jesus continuously invites us to encounter that because in doing so, we respond then to his call of love. It's a continual effort that is ongoing within us and and the, the work through the Holy Spirit working within us. And when we study the lives of the saints, we can learn more about that. And, and they teach us, I think, um, Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity, of course, uh, St. Therese of Lisieux was a great one, St. Mary of Jesus Crucified, very open to the Holy Spirit. Of course, Teresa and John, um, our Carmelite um, mother and father. Um, so, uh, you know, study the saints and, and look for where the Holy Spirit is, because I think that teaches us how to look for the Holy Spirit within ourselves, within the interior as well as in the exterior events of our life. So we know that the Holy Spirit then dwells in you and shall be in you. And if we invite Jesus and how we invite him is by opening ourselves to him and loving him. So Father Gabriel St. Mary Magdalene um, wrote this about the Holy Spirit, about the Trinity. He says, Jesus, together with the Father, has sent and continues to this day to send the Holy Spirit to the church. And that includes the body of Christ. And of course, you know, when we think of Christ, the head of the body of Christ, the mystical body of Christ, the head is already in heaven, right? <laughs> and yet um, he has not left us because his body is here on earth. We're the mystical body of Christ. But where the head is, the body will follow. So we can be confident that if we're open and docile to the Holy Spirit, that we're trying to love and do his will, that the Lord will bring us to where he is. And um, so uh, Father Magdalene, Father Gabriel, I'll just call him Father Gabriel, goes on to say, thus, the Holy Spirit exercises his influence not only in the body of Christ, but also in each soul in which he dwells as a sweet guest. I'm like, let's make that a permanent resident, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> he is in us to take possession of our souls, to sanctify them, to form them in the likeness of Christ, and to urge us to continue his redemptive mission. And that is our outward, you know, helping others. So it's not just a onesie thing here. He is that impulse of love which urges us to do God's will, guides us toward the glorification of the Most Holy Trinity, and brings us to God. But here's the question then. If the Holy Spirit is an impulse of love that comes into us to sanctify us and bring us to God, Mark... Why do we not all become saints? <laughs> oh, boy, I wish I knew, Francis. <laughs> you do, you do. <laughs> Share well, a little bit of this answer. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I do. I know too well, uh, at least for myself. The simple answer, of course, is because we were also gifted with free will, uh, God's respect for our liberty. Why is that? God wants us simply to participate um, in our own sanctification. You know, he could have just demanded of us that we would reply and, and respond to his um, uh, advances of love and, and um, 
have conformed us to his will by overwhelming us with power, but that wouldn't have made us particularly meaningful lovers. It wouldn't have made us um, very uh, free lovers, and we would not really be expressing to him the same free expression of love that he does to us. Um, So uh, with this gift of free will, unfortunately, came uh, all the challenges we face. We can choose to be closed off to God and to his gifts. St. Teresa of Avila, in fact, in The Way of Perfection, chapter 28, says... God does not force anyone. He takes what we give him, but he does not give himself wholly to us until we give ourselves wholly to him. That's the big question, isn't it? How much are we giving ourselves to the Lord? Are we wholly giving ourselves to the Lord? St. Paul uh, saw the resistance to God in the people that he was preaching the gospel to. And he says in Acts 7.51, You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always oppose the Holy Spirit. You are just like your ancestors. Of course, he's referring to the ancient Israelites uh, who likewise resisted God's uh, advances and refused to circumcise their hearts and to dispose themselves to the work of, that was uh, necessary to be done in them to sanctify them. We Gentiles now have a similar problem in that we don't uh, prepare ourselves, we don't circumcise our heart, meaning detachment from all those things that would distract us from this work of the Holy Spirit within us. And so we are left in the midst of this struggle. And in Revelations 3, verse 22, we are counseled, whoever has ears ought to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, you know, the bottom line here is that we're not all saints because we lack charity. Bottom line. We don't love God enough to give ourselves to him, uh, to open ourselves to his powerful, loving presence and thus become saints. And sometimes that's because we don't know God. And one of the best ways to know God is to study scripture um, and to ask for him to uh let himself be known to you. Uh, your prayer is, is very important here. So um, the important thing here, uh, we must uh, look at ourselves and ask, you know, how much do we love? Look in the daily events of our life and ask ourselves, you know, we, we get in on this uh, rat race here, you know, on a schedule, we got to do this and this, and we have all these objectives and goals. And yet the most important thing where we'll be judged at the end of life is how we loved. What most conflicts, of course, with our response to the Holy Spirit and to the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do within us is not the absence of love. Unfortunately, it's the uh, uh, profound uh, existence of self-love. That's what conflicts with this. It isn't about what am I aspiring for myself. So we can even fall victim to this as spiritual persons. St. John of the Cross says very Uh, insightfully that those who leave the world and enter a more deliberate spiritual journey often take the same faults that they had in the world. Uh, And he's not just talking about monastics here, but uh, those who, as I said, enter a more deliberate spiritual journey, they'll take the same faults they had in the world, whether it was materialism or pride or what have you, and they simply transfer them, Francis, over into their spiritual journey so that now as opposed to becoming, you know, attached to my worldly possessions of clothes and, and jewelry, I become attached to my spiritual objects of uh, rosaries and medals, right? They have and to be icons. just the right color and, <laughs> and, and, and all the rest of it. And, yeah. yeah. And, and pride in the, exactly the same way. We yeah. become um, very deliberate and focused and almost scrupulous about the practice of our devotions, but really hidden behind that is a prideful, um, uh, you know, sort of 
experience of wanting to find our own way to heaven. Yeah, look what I did. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, so we have to be careful. That self-love is what the Holy Spirit has to work on because the love has to be directed. All of our activities, all of our thoughts, all of our actions have to be directed toward love of the Lord, love of the Father, and a willingness to allow the Holy Spirit to work within us. So we've basically um, helped us to understand that the Holy Spirit is alive and well and dwells within your soul, especially by baptism, confirmation, uh, through the sacraments, through sanctifying actual grace. Uh, so now the question then is, how deep is our love? How deep is our relationship to him? And how can we become more open, more docile to the Holy Spirit? So we're going to take a break right here. And when we come back, we're going to be focused on the particulars of docility to the Holy Spirit. A reminder, you're listening to Carmelite Spirituality Conversations on Radio Maria, Christian Voice in Your Home. We'll be right back.
listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you back to Caramelite Conversations with Mark Danis and Francis Harry. Hi, welcome back to Carmelite Spirituality Conversations. We're going to jump right back in to speaking about docility to the Holy Spirit. Well, we know, as we described in the first uh, 30 minutes of our hour here, that the Holy Spirit dwells in each and every soul uh, in three forms, and we won't recover those, but that the Holy Spirit is active in each of us, trying to conform us to the Father's will, uh, to transform us into beings of love. The question then is, how deep is our relationship to the Holy Spirit? Francis posed the question, how deep is our love for the Lord? Uh, Because that explains to some extent how docile we become to the Holy Spirit. So uh, let's look a little bit um, about this idea of docility to the Holy Spirit. Uh, First, we have to understand we cannot on our own uh, transform ourselves. We cannot become holy on on our own. We have a role to play. We have a responsibility, but we can't do the work on our own. Jesus tells us in John 15, 5, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, not unlike the uh, reading from uh, Acts that we've shared earlier, um, that we live, move, and have our being in our Lord Jesus Christ. He then says, as bluntly as can be, apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. In Philippians 4.13, St. Paul builds on this theme and says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Uh, The reverse, of course, would be true. As Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But through him, we can do all things. He is the one who strengthens us. So we need God. That's a given. We need the Holy Spirit to teach us, to purify us, to sanctify us, to serve as our advocate, to help us to learn to pray. So we're left then with this nagging question. How do we individually open ourselves more fully to the action of the Holy Spirit within us. You know, I've asked myself that a lot as I was pondering the programs from last week and and tonight. And, um, you know, we need to get into the nitty gritty details of this in order to see how we can improve. And so I turned to Archbishop Louis Martinez in his book, The Sanctifier, which is also called The True Devotion to the Holy Spirit. Um, It's a a later reprint of the same book, but he gives us a great starting point. And this is what he says. In order to attain this holy docility to the motions of the spirit, the soul must be so silent and recollected that it can hear his voice. So pure and so filled with light that it can clearly perceive the meaning of the divine inspiration. So surrendered to the will of God that it embraces that will without hesitation. And so selfless that it performs that will without stopping at any sacrifice. Love accomplishes all this alone or through the virtues and gifts which it coordinates and directs. For love, as St. Paul teaches, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And that's from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7. So, in summary, we should have a solicitous attention to the sound of his voice. And not only just hearing the voice, but to what he's saying, to his inspirations, to his most delicate touches. And how do we get there? By being silent and recollected. Blessed Elizabeth the Trinity was a great one to teach us that. Be pure. Uh, Confession helps us to grow in our purity. 
filled with light, surrendered, selfless, and loving. And that is so that we may hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and be docile and responsive to do his inspirations. You know, we read this, as Francis just did, and we, we may say to ourselves, well, of course I'm open to what the Holy Spirit has to say. I'm, I'm you know, very committed to listening and to being directed and guided. Uh, but we really have to wrestle with our own conscience. Are we then spending sufficient amount of time in silence, in prayer, in listening, and not coming with our predispositions as to how we want to see the events of our life unfold, but really giving over all of that activity, uh, trusting in the midst, uh, especially of trials, uh, whether or not we are, in fact, listening to the Holy Spirit. Archbishop Martinez, again, from the same book, The Sanctifier, says, the loving soul perceives through silence the divine inspirations, and by its own purity discovers their deep meaning, allowing itself to be taken along, docile and gentle, by the breath of the Holy Spirit. It sounds easy, doesn't it? All we have to do is give ourselves over to silence and listening, and gently we will be taken along this path. He adds, however, undoubtedly this docility requires abnegation, abnegation, doing without putting our own will aside. For it will always be true that love and pain are proportionate and that the perfection of the one cannot be attained without the perfection of the other. Anybody who's ever been involved in a serious relationship, whether with a uh, a spouse, a child, a, a parent, a close friend, knows exactly what we're talking about here. There's always a balance between love and the difficulty of being able to uh, put up with sometimes the difficult uh, circumstances that are brought about in a relationship. Back to Archbishop Martinez, he finishes with, the soul abandoned to the Holy Spirit exposes itself to every sacrifice, every immolation. That's what makes this difficult. It's easy to say the words. It's easy to have you know, fond aspirations for the desire to be conformed to the Holy Spirit and to be willing to gently be taken along the path. But the reality is this word of abnegation, doing without, uh, putting our will aside, making sacrifices, and the willingness to suffer immolation uh, at the hands of the Holy Spirit who then teaches us what deep love really means. So growing in sanctity, growing in holiness does require us to go on the way of the cross. There is going to be pain. But if we embrace that, knowing that it's coming from the hands of the Lord, we know that it is for our good. He's got our back. You know, he's got our best interest at heart. And then he will guide us through all of this. And we will come out with a a greater, deeper love, more compassion, more understanding. And we'll be more supple and um, we'll be more docile to the Holy Spirit. So um, another uh, book that I turned to for guidance on, you know, how can we grow in docility to the Holy Spirit was um, this book that I had from Father Jacques Philippe. I just love all of his works. He's written many books and they're easy to read. He explains things very well. So anything that Father Jacques Philippe wrote, I like. And he wrote this one a book called In the School of the Holy Spirit. How perfect for this discussion, right? Where he gives us a list of the main means for reaching docility and receiving guidance of the Holy Spirit. Would you like to know what those are? <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> there are four uh, things that he's mentioned here. 
and you know um, we're just going to alternate here, Mark, so that um, they don't get tired of my voice here. <laughs> the first thing is that we faithfully obey God's wishes as far as we know them. We accomplish what he has already made known to us of his designs, and he will then show us the rest. This would include, like the Ten Commandments, the precepts of the church, the Beatitudes, the duty of the moment, critical. All right, those are examples of what that is. Secondly, Father Philippe tells us we, we, we must frequently renew the good resolution to follow God's will in all things. And we have to strengthen that resolution as much as we can. And we will be allowed to do that in many, many circumstances in our life when we will wonder, God, why this? Why is it working out this way? Simply pray, give over the circumstances, and reaffirm that resolution to follow God's will no matter what the circumstances. This third step that Father Philippe suggests is ask the Holy Spirit unceasingly, all right, not just one day or one moment, but unceasingly for the light and strength to accomplish God's will. Now, how do we do that unceasingly? It's by that desire to grow in the love of the Holy Spirit and being open to him. So ask the Holy Spirit unceasingly for the light and strength to accomplish God's will. Bind ourselves to the Holy Spirit. I know you can make a consecration to the Holy Spirit. Hold fast to him, especially on undertaking your most important activities. Ask God for the light of the Holy Spirit and tell him earnestly that we do not wish anything except to do his will. And of course, now as we're leading up to the celebration of Pentecost, Coming up this Sunday, many uh, are involved in doing a novena to the Holy Spirit. If you haven't done that, you can start now. Uh, you can do a novena within one day. But, you know, this is a, an intense uh, action that you can uh, partake of to invite the Holy Spirit in. Uh, a fourth suggestion from Father Philippe is take careful note of the different movements of our soul. This is where it's beneficial, I think, Francis, as we discussed before we came on air, to have a spiritual director. Uh, because we are going to be subject to a lot of uh, emotion and uh, um, you know, a lot of our own uh, experience will get involved in what we think we may be discerning from our soul. What comes from God, Father Philippe says, in a soul subject to grace, is ordinarily peaceful and tranquil. What comes from the devil is violent and brings trouble and anxiety with it. Francis, we're in, we were having a discussion about this just before we came on the air, and yeah, I it's explained so funny, yeah. that sort of uh, experience. So it is exactly that. Uh, violent trouble and anxiety always represents the uh, existence of the devil. And don't you know, Mark, whenever we have these topics, you and I get practiced in them yeah. <laughs> as we prepare for the talk. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> growth, though, growth, trust, yes. surrender, yes. abandonment, abnegation, detachment, all of that. <laughs> well, you know, so what Mark was talking about there is, you know, noting the different movements of the soul. I remember the first time I found that term, movements of the soul. I'm like, what is that? I mean, do I understand the movements of my soul? So it is a discerning, discerning, uh, looking for the peace of Christ uh, rather than the anxiety and discouragement that the dark side brings to us. Well, Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene says that our whole interior and spiritual life could be summarized as taking note of the ways and movements of the Holy Spirit in our souls and strengthening our wills in the resolution to follow them, using for that purpose 
are exercises of prayer, reading, the sacraments, the practice of virtue, and the accomplishing of good works. So our goal, it's to be possessed, <laughs> but be possessed entirely by the Holy Spirit, to abandon ourselves to God by spiritual renunciation of our preferences and our own satis satisfactions, like Mark said, self-will. In this way, we will no longer live in ourselves, but in Christ Jesus. Yeah, and we have to dispose ourselves. We've used that phrase a lot, dispose ourselves to God's grace through purity of heart. And we know the Blessed Mother is the model of the purity of heart. Uh, Father Gabriel gives us a very simple example of this. He says there are two people who consecrate themselves at the same time to God's service. If one gives himself wholly to good works and the other applies himself entirely to purifying his heart and cutting away what there is in it that opposes grace, this second person will achieve perfection twice as quickly as the first. Now think about that. It's the cutting away within our heart. Remember we read earlier, the circumcision of the heart is what matters. The risk of the first candidate that Father uh, Gabriel talked about, the one who gives himself over to holy to good works, is that they can fall victim to spiritual pride that we discussed earlier. The idea that we are working our way through the process of sanctification. Instead, there must be a cutting away, a removal of anything that impedes our conforming ourselves to our Father's will. And hence, the second person um, has found a quicker path to that. We must also, at the same time, though, be, fo be extremely faithful in corresponding to the graces that God offers us. The more that we subject ourselves um, to God, the freer, actually, we will become. I know it sounds ironic to say, the more that I subject myself to the, to the will of another, the freer I become. Well, as long as that will is God's will, no longer slaves to sin or to self-love. The more de uh, dependent we are on God, the more we build that dependence and realization of it in our life, the more that freedom will flow forth from God. There are no limits in God. There are no limits to uh, the graces that he will impart if we dispose ourselves to him. Again, Father Jacques-Philippe explains it this way. The only thing that God forbids us is what prevents us from being free. What prevents our fulfillment is people able to love and to be freely loved. Loving God means losing ourselves in order to find and possess God, and ultimately, therefore, finding ourselves in Him. And that leads into this scripture passage from Matthew 10, verse 39. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, this leads me to, um, I'm, I'm going to do a little uh, sidebar here with uh, St. Mary of Jesus Crucified. She was just canonized a year ago <laughs> oh, <laughs> on May 17th. Was it May 17th? Yeah, it was May 17th. I yeah, remember okay. 2015. Uh, and there is a book called Thoughts. It's written by um, Father Reverend D. Buzzi, B-U-Z-Y. And in, in it, there is a section that are notes taken from some of her ecstasies. And this is one of the things that they got from one of those. Um, and it is about devotion to the Holy Spirit. So I just want to read you a little bit about what St. Mary of Jesus Crucified tells us about devotion to the Holy Spirit. She says, I heard a voice coming out from this most admirable light. It said, if you want to look for me, to know me and to follow me, invoke the light. 
the Holy Spirit who has enlightened my disciples and enlightens all those who invoke him. I tell you truly that whoever invokes the Holy Spirit will search and find me, and it is through him that he will do so. His conscience will be as delicate as the flower in the field. If he is the father or mother of a family, peace will be in his family, and he will have peace in his heart in this world and in the next. He will not die in darkness, but in peace. I ardently desire you to say that all priests who say the Mass of the Holy Spirit once a month will honor him. Well, that's something I would like to see. All the priests to say the Mass of the Holy Spirit once a month to honor him. And whoever honors him and participates in this Mass will be honored by the Holy Spirit himself because he will find light in him. He will have peace in the depths of his soul. The Holy Spirit will come and heal the sick and awaken those who sleep. As proof of this, all those who say or participate in this Mass or invoke the Holy Spirit will not do so without experiencing this peace in the depths of their souls. They will not die in darkness. And then St. Mary of Jesus crucified said, well, Lord, what can I do? Nobody will believe me. You see what state I'm in. And he answers her with, when the time comes, I will do all that has to be done. You will not be needed. So he's going to work through her. Um, she is a beautiful saint to study about docility to the Holy Spirit. From a very young age, she was starting to master this. And um, she's just a, she experienced so many of the supernatural uh, gifts and graces. Uh, it, it's astounding. But her humility um, is so profound. Mm. So to recap um, much of what this second half of our conversation has been about is very simple to say the more intense the soul's cooperation the greater its fidelity to the holy spirit the more perfect are the divine operations within that soul and this is um, the part that we play our docility our humility our disposition uh, and disposing ourselves to the Holy Spirit play a critical role in the degree of sanctification that we will, in fact, reach. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, Francis, we know not everyone will be the same in heaven. We're not all sort of vanilla cutouts of, of the same model. Um, and the Lord doesn't want to withhold anything from us. And so he asks our goodwill in allowing him to do this work. Again, not without uh, the realization of the cross, uh, but the fact of the matter is he's perfectly willing to do all of this work with us. What's the result of this transforming work that's being done within us? The transformation of the soul, as we've already discussed. Transforming union, a, dis uh, a topic we've discussed many times in this program, having to do with uh, entering into union with our Lord, spiritual marriage. Participation in the divine. In other words, sancti sanctity of the soul, sanctification. Yeah. Become a saint. Soul. Yes, let's all do it by the grace of God through the Holy Spirit. <laughs> now, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of, and I love this, light, life, and love. And where is that? Where do you know that from? Because <laughs> this is where I got it from, yes. actually. Those are the dying words of Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity. Yes, she so says, potent. I go to light, life, and love. Yes. And with his sevenfold gifts from Scripture, wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and fear of the Lord, the Holy Spirit will 
gift us. We won't go through every one of those gifts. We've done it before. I know we've had programs where we have covered those. Um, But I encourage you actually to get into the catechism and investigate. You know, sometimes we get confused when we hear the three words, wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. How are they distinguished? It's important to understand that. Counsel and fortitude. Understand what it is that the Holy Spirit wants to give us. He enlightens our minds, he strengthens our will, he inflames our hearts, and he inflames them with what is most important, and that is the love of God, to ensure our own salvation, and more importantly, to become true lovers of God. We need to invoke the Holy Spirit continuously, as Francis said earlier. This is a continuous process where we invoke the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to do this work within us, beg and desire that the Holy Spirit might do this work within us. Well, in Romans 8.26, we hear, In the same way, the Spirit, too, comes to the aid of our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with inexpressible groanings, and the one who searches hearts knows what is the intention of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the Holy Ones according to God's will. It's actually a very powerful image, and I suspect many of our listeners have had this experience of being in chapel or maybe being in your private room at home, um, and and there may be something heavy on your heart, or there may be great joy in your heart, uh, or you're just genuinely seeking the Lord's will, and we find ourselves um, left with nothing more than a sort of general... Uh, and this groaning, we don't want to articulate our thoughts anymore. We perhaps can't any further articulate our thoughts. And we, so we just groan. We take deep breaths and we might sigh. And, and if we are sufficiently disposed to the Holy Spirit, truly desirous of the Holy Spirit working within us, truly desirous of fulfilling God's will, as it says here at the end of Romans eight twenty six, know that the Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is working in that expression, that groaning in expressible uh, to us, but nonetheless, the Holy Spirit is communicating and praying for us, interceding for us. It's a very powerful image. And this gives us great joy to know what an advocate, uh, the sanctifier is with us and for us and helping us. Archbishop Martinez summarizes the kind of love, docility, and devotion that we should have to the Holy Spirit. He says, To be devoted to the Holy Spirit is to open our soul for him to dwell there, to dilate our heart that he may anoint it with his divine charity, to deliver our whole being up to him that he may possess it with his gifts, to give him our life that he may transform it into a divine one, to put into his hands the shapeless block of our imperfections that he may mold it to the divine image of of Jesus. You know, I'm going to capitalize on that word dilate. I actually had to go have my eyes examined today. <laughs> Dilation is uh, one of the procedures you have to go through. They dilate the eyes, and of course, that opens uh, the eyes and they become subject to uh, bright lights and all the rest of it. But it does two things. One, it, it you know, sort of broadens our view, and this is what we're hoping to do. Uh, but it also makes us somewhat subject to the brightness that will inevitably come as we dilate our hearts from the Holy Spirit. We may wince at it at first. At St. John tells us it's a bit overwhelming to encounter the Spirit. We're not conformed to it yet. And so there's this uh, sort of back and forth as the Spirit works to prepare us. But it, it's a good analogy to what happens to our our very hearts um, once they've been dilated and prepared for the encounter with the Holy Spirit. 
So in conclusion, Mark, we know from Romans eight fourteen, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. That's what we all want to be. And we all want to get to heaven and be with our Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Mother, and all the holy angels and saints. <laughs> Let's just be docile. Uh, I mean, he'll do it for us. We just got to be open he and receptive. Will. <laughs> he will do it for us. And that's we should take great consolation in that. You know, we sometimes think uh, we hear so much about the struggle of the spiritual journey. Uh, perhaps the greatest struggle is simply giving ourselves over in trust uh, in uh, faith and in humility uh, to allow the Holy Spirit to do that work. Well, I want to invite our listeners, as we have on a number of occasions, to uh, join me, if you're interested, on a pilgrimage to Quebec City, uh, to the province of Quebec, actually. We'll actually begin in Montreal. We'll visit some of the great cathedrals of uh, Canada and, and the province of Quebec, uh, Notre Dame and Montreal, the Oratory, uh, dedicated to St. Joseph, and a, a wonderful cathedral uh, dedicated to Our Lady, Queen of Peace, uh, in Montreal. Beautiful cathedrals all. We'll see um, the um, actual uh, shrine to um, St. Tekawitha, uh, just south of Montreal. And then we'll journey to Quebec City, where we'll see a, another beautiful church dedicated to Our Lady, Notre Dame. And we will also visit the uh, shrine to St. Therese of Lisieux, the Canadian shrine to St. Therese of Lisieux. And then we'll um, see some uh, uh, sites in old Quebec City, a beautiful place. If you haven't been there, really a beautiful uh, spot for couples to get away if you're uh, thinking about going with a, a spouse. And then we'll finish with St. Anne de Beaupre, a, a famous um, a cathedral dedicated to the mother of our blessed mother. And so I'd like to encourage you to look on our website. This is late September and the first week of October. We'll be gone for about a week. Um, and um, it's it's really going to be, I think, and, and hope a special uh, retreat. We will be offering, obviously, a consistent Carmelite theme throughout all of it. And I know that our blessed mother uh, will be with us and bless us in a, in a very powerful way. And Mark, aren't you going to stop and see something with Brother Andre? Uh, yeah, the oratory. Okay. Yes, the okay. oratory in Montreal, which uh, uh, Brother Andre, now Saint Andre, of course, was the catalyst for, and that's dedicated to uh, Saint Joseph, a place renowned for healings, by the way. So, I mm. uh, really encourage you to great. look at that. It'll be great. Well, um, I just want to tell you that we we will list our resources that we use for our program on our uh, site, both on the Radio Maria site under Carmelite Spirituality Conversations and also on CarmeliteConversations.com. Um, and then I'll also probably uh, put a little hook in on our Facebook page. So I, I still thank you for being in touch with me and Mark through Facebook and through email because uh, you can connect with us by going to our site. There's a place, a little button there you can click to get us an email and to let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about or if you have a question you want us to uh, try to answer, we'd be happy to do our best. And um, so I'll list some of our uh, resources there. But we have this closing prayer. And since I picked it from Blessed Elizabeth the Trinity, I know it's Mark's most favorite companion on his Carmelite journey. I would like, Mark, would you mind doing our closing prayer. Yeah, and I'll just say quickly, this is, of course, a small segment of a, a much larger prayer, and you can find some wonderful commentary on this prayer. It's Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity's Prayer to the Trinity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O consuming fire, spirit of love, come down into me 
and reproduce in me, as it were, an incarnation of the Word, that I may be to him an added humanity, wherein he may renew all his mystery. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for letting me do that, Francis. And thank you all for joining us on this version of Carmelite Spirituality Conversations. Until we're with you again next week, God bless.